0: Um, welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today, I'm joined by Francesco Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco?
1: Buonasera, Sam. I'm well, thank you.
0: Excellent. Always good to have you on.
1: And Kostu
0: Pandai, how are you, Kostu?
1: Good, good. Good to be on
0: after quite a while. Yeah, good to have you back on, as always. Um this is going to be quite a fun episode just before Christmas because we're now halfway through the Serie A season. And so we're sort of the first half of the episode, we're going to look back on what we've seen. And, and I've, I've come up with quite a few categories. And then we're going to look ahead to our 2022 predictions. So, Francesca, I'm going to come to you first. Um, I'd like you to put forward your best player of the first half of, of this season in Serie A, please.
1: I am going to say Marcelo Brozovic. Um, I think that he is playing in the best team in the league at the moment, and he has been their most important player. Um, I think of all the players Zaghi has, has at his disposal, and he, you know, he has a lot of very good players. Brozovic seems to be the guy that he will not play without. I think Brozovic has played more than any other outfield player for Inter this season and i just think that um not just this season but over the last few seasons he has grown into one of the best i don't know what you really call him he's not he's not just a playmaker kind of the best playmaker/defensive midfielder in the in the world i think he would probably start for nearly every side in europe um and yeah i think he is the best player in serie a right now um i think there are there are very few midfielders who interpret that position in such a complete way. I think he does such a lot of good work on the ball, but also his defensive ability um, is is really something else as well. I, mean, I think he, at the moment, statistically, he's the player who's uh, covered um, there's only one player who's ran more than Brozovic in the whole league, and considering he plays every single match and he consistently turns out those numbers, it's, uh, you know it's very impressive. So yeah, I think Brozovic
0: yeah, a really interesting pick because obviously, you know, in in a world where we quite often look at stats nowadays, you know, he, he's not the guy who gets the goals and assists and all that, but but he is the player that seems to make into tick, and and obviously that they've really gathered momentum the last couple of months in particular to to lead lead the league at this point. Carl um, Stubb, I'll come to you. Um, who would you say is is your player of the season so far?
2: I would say Dushan Vlahovic. I mean, I don't mean that he's worth 80 million euros or anything, but just because it's it's similar to the sort of situation that Harry Kane was in when he was in his first season at Tottenham. When that first season ended, people were saying that he's a one-season wonder. But I think Vlahovic has had to deal with much more where he was being called a one-season wonder and then Fiorentina put up 80 million euros. Um, price tag on him. Then we had clubs like Tottenham, Man City and, and now Juventus uh, being linked with him. We had Fiorentina fans booing him for, I think, a couple of games. And there was all that contract situation um, stuff that became very dirty in public. And I don't think Rocco Comiso and all the other Fiorentina guys did too well um, at that point in protecting Blahovic publicly, and he had all of that pressure building up when he had actually not started the season excellently. I would say, um, people were obviously going on on Twitter about how he only scores penalties and stuff. That that's when that um contract situation really sort of took off. I mean, that's when Fiorentina officially announced that he's not going to sign a new deal, and that's when he just kicked on, and I think. For someone who's still 19 or 20 um, he deserves quite a lot of credit for that Um, and especially considering the fact that he's probably going away in the summer and he would know that his agent knows that and we all know that and to still be scoring um, to still be the highest score in the league with all of that context behind him with all the pressure on him I think it takes quite a lot of a young player I mean, I was inclined towards Brozovic as well, but just to be different, I would say Blavich.
1: Yeah, and there's uh, there's loads to agree with, Kasub, there. Um, I, I think Blavic has obviously had a fantastic start to the season again. And um, just on that point you make about him being a one-season wonder, the reason that I, I think he probably isn't that is because so much of his other stats back up uh, what he's doing in terms of his goal-scoring. He's not only the top scorer in Serie A at the moment, he's also the player who's had the most shots overall and the players had the most shots on target overall. And he's not really playing for one of the very biggest sides. So it feels like this guy, it, you know, he has to me, he has nearly all of the attributes you want in the centre forward, but also all of his stats suggest that he's always going to score goals.
0: And Blavich is now 21. And, and as you said, Kav it, it seems almost inevitable that he will go in the summer. I think there's there's even a small chance he goes in January, but I think more likely the summer. The same age as, as Erling Haaland, who obviously has so much hype behind him and is also expected to move on in the summer. Do you think Vlahovic deserves to be put in the same bracket as Haaland or, or is he maybe a little bit below? Because it, it seems this past sort of year or so everyone's comparing Mbappe and Haaland. How how far away is Vlahovic from being in that group with those two would you say? I think he's probably still a
2: step below him. I mean in terms of the the levels that we're talking about. Because I think Purely because of the fact that Fiorentina um, this season. I mean, I know he does a lot of stuff off the ball, and I think in the, the game against Verona, he wasn't. I mean, he didn't score or assist, but he still was involved in the goal by holding the ball up and setting up the others. Um, and even against Juventus, he didn't score, um, but he had a pretty decent game. So I won't say he's he's just a goal scorer, but I still think something. Just I mean. I still think that because of an XGO performance this season, I think I still sort of have a five percent doubt about him. I'm not saying he won't be a top class um, striker in in the next two three years, but just at this point, um, something just tells me that because. But at the other on the other side of the coin, um, I think in his first season in his first season with the Fiorentina first team where he scored those uh, great goals against Cagliari, Napoli and uh, even against Inter, I think. Though those were very unlikely goals, as in they were from a very long distance, they were not likely to end up uh, at the, in the back of the night. So I think probably at the end of the season, will be in a better position to stay if he is at the Erling Haaland level or not. But at this point, I would probably say because of the uncertainty from a statistical perspective, I would probably say he's just a level below.
0: Yeah, well, it, it seems Mbappe, uh, Harlan, and Vlahovic could all be moving on in the summer. So, going to be going to be fascinating to see how those three strikers uh, go over the next over the next year or so. Moving on to the next category, and and Francesco, we're moving on to the best signing of the season so far. So, so who's your nomination for this?
1: I've gone for Beto, the Udinese striker. Um, mm-hmm. I think he cost uh, somewhere in the region of four and a half million euros, which considering what he's been able to do in this first part of the season, I think is very good value for money. And, um, you know, a little bit like Vlaovic, he seems to be that center forward who has everything. He's very fast, he's he's big. I think he's over one meter 90, but he's also extremely good on the ball. He's technically very sound and he's good in the air. I think he's, of the seven goals, he scored three of them have been headers. So he's he looks like a, a really complete package. And it's just another one of those Udinese signings that seem to come out of nowhere. Apparently, Beertel didn't exist until Udinese signed him, and they seem to do this constantly. He's still, hes a, I mean, he's a little bit older than Vlaovic, but not by much, he's only 23 years old. So to get a player who brings so much to the team for that amount of money and, you know, going forwards has a huge margin, I think, to improve, um, it seems like a brilliant bit of business. The other thing I'd like to say about him is, um, to me, he reminds me of Adriano a bit, um, in terms of his movement, in terms of the way he plays. Uh, you know, he's obviously a similar size, similar kind of build. So yeah, there's, I think there's a lot to like about this player and the fact that he cost, you know, relatively speaking, such a small amount of money. And he's come into a team that certainly I thought, I think you probably agreed when we spoke at the beginning of the season, Sam, that we thought Udinese might struggle a bit this season, having lost Depaul and Morso and some other important players in the summer he's probably been their star man and he's been a big part of of them having a, a pretty solid start to the season so yeah Beato is my choice.
0: Yeah very very nice choice there can't really argue with that although we have had a, a lot of really good signings actually um so Kostu I'll, I'll come to you and and you can sort of put your nomination forward as well and and I can throw a few names into the to the mix for this one so yeah who, who would you go with Kostu well i think for me I, I just have four names, but
2: I'm just tilting towards Andre Frank, Zambo But the other three are Gianluca Caprari, Arthur Thiat and um, Lucas Torreira. But yeah, I mean, purely because he has essentially transformed the Napoli midfield. I'm not saying they had a bad midfield at all before this season. He just seems to give them a lot more control but, it's it's almost as if if Napoli had Zambon Gisa last season, they would have beaten a lot more teams than they actually did under Rino you know, because you saw them um, struggling to break down teams. Um, the lesser teams when they almost had nine or ten men behind the ball and just defended deeper. But Zambon, Zambon Gisa is just that progressive ball carrier who helps them break down defenses. And I think even though I think um, Arthur Thiad has done quite a bit of that in terms of what he brings to the table tactically for how Bologna played and how they like to build from the back, but they aren't always successful in doing that because it's they've not got the right sort of players all the time, but purely for the uh, value for money with uh, in question and also the fact that when I saw him at Fulham last season, um, he used to play much further forward. It was almost an attacking midfielder, I would say, um, under Scott Parker at Fulham last season. But when he's come and come in at Napoli, he's playing much more deeper in a much more disciplined role, and I think he deserves big credit for that.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll just throw a few more names in into the um, list, and and I'll ask I'll ask you first, Francesco, if you know, sort of how close these people were to getting your vote. Um, At Inter, we've got Dzeko and Chalinolu. Um, I know Dzeko obviously coming in for Lukaku. I think we all thought Lukaku would be a massive miss for Inter. That hasn't really been the case, to be honest. Chalinoğlu, I guess you could say, has come in for Ericsson, who, who's just, uh, you know, sort of terminated his contract at Inter. Uh, because of what happened in the summer with him, and he's looked excellent the last couple of months. Um, and then I was also thinking Pedro at Lazio and uh, Giovanni Simeone at Verona. So, so what do you what do you make of those four players?
1: Yeah, I mean, all definitely worth a mention. Um, I was very tempted to go for Zecco. I think he's had an excellent start to his Inter career, and i guess in a in a strange kind of way there was quite a bit of pressure on him because um at the beginning of the season you know after Lukaku left um probably the whole of the italian football world was thinking that, that Inter would would really miss Lukaku there'd be a big hole there to fill and Zierko's done an excellent job if anything i think his, his stats have actually been um a little bit better than Lukaku so far um so yeah he's done a great job and and he cost them nothing or very little so yeah, a great buy. And th- with Channel Oglu, I'm I'm surprised with how well he's done. Um, I had some doubts about the signing because whilst they got him for th- free, uh, you know they have had to give him quite a big contract. Um, I, I can't remember how long it is. I think it's three or four years. So, uh, I, you know, it is is a bit of a risk. But um, and also there was a period when he did have a, a kind of funny couple of weeks, and it looked like Nzagi might have lost faith in him. He left him out of the team. Um, but the way he's bounced back, I think he's uh, the joint leading assists. Uh, he's got the joint leading assists in Serie a this season. Uh, but his all round play has just been so good over the last month or so. I think he was the player of the month uh, last month in Serie. A. So I, I don't. Uh, I think you know you've said it a number of times, Sam. We weren't sure about glue from a consistency point of view. We knew that he he could play well at Milan. He had some real really excellent games but he probably had never done it for a consistent period and possibly this last kind of month and a half you know coincided with Intel's good form he's he's probably had the most consistent period of his uh, of his career I'd say certainly in Italy
0: yeah doing really well um, isn't it I, I I still must admit I do still have doubts about Gianluca because I remember he was excellent the first half of the season last year for Milan and then sort of Fell away quite badly, and I don't think there were that many Milan fans that were disappointed to see him go when he went in the summer. Um, compared to, say, Donnarumma, who I think they were gutted to see leave. Um, Carl, Steve, I'm now going to move on to the next category, and and this is you know a bit more negative, but we'll, but we'll go there anyway. I want to go with worst signing of the season so far. So, so who who would you say this has been for you?
2: I mean, I don't want to be too cruel for the player in question, which is Mohamed Ihatran, um, because a lot of stuff has gone on behind the scenes for him and that had gone on behind the scenes back in the Netherlands as well. But I think, I mean, this is this might just be me because when he came to Juventus, um, I thought this is a player who can make the cut um, in not just Serie A, but in one of the top seven clubs in the league. If not now, then maybe in the future. And I thought... When Mikkel Damsgaard got his knee injury um, at Sampdoria, I thought maybe that's the time for your husband to play. Um, but that's when things really started to go downhill, and he had those issues. He had he went back home and had more issues with Mino Rayola, his his agent, and then weird stuff constantly leaks into the press about what really is going on. It's 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 a sad situation because I think. Uh, he lost his father in 2019, and a lot of people in the Netherlands say that um, since 2019, a lot of things off the pitch have started to go wrong for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, I, you can't really be cruel to a player for who things haven't really gone right for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, I think it, it's it's a disappointing sign. I think I think reports have said that um, Juventus are about loaning back to the Netherlands again just to. Uh, make sure that he feels at home there. But, yeah, I think so far it's been a disappointing signing.
0: Yeah, of course, he's still a young player, so he still has time to turn it round. I know, Francesco, you've gone at the other end of the spectrum for this one. So so can you tell us who you've gone for in this category?
1: Yeah, I've gone for Martin Caceres, Cagliari. Um I think it's because, uh, and you know, he's a little bit unlucky in the sense that there would have been, there could have been any number of Coyote players who could have fallen into this category, except uh, a few. Most of them were already there last season. Um, I think they are a squad that is massively underachieving. Um, there also seem to be some issues from a disciplinary point of view, and Caceres seems to be at the heart of it. I think he was left out of the team very recently uh, because of possible disciplinary issues or or the fact that. Um, some of the people at the club feel like he's not trying hard enough, like some of his colleagues. And um, yeah, I, I think he is a good defender. I think he's the kind of person who who could bring something to Caeri. They, you know, and probably should have Caeri at a higher level than they are. But right now, they're they're playing terribly. He's uh, he's a central part of the team, and I think um, I think you know it's he, he because of he represents how badly they're doing. Um, uh, he's my choice. You've you probably heard that that my dog here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> is also a, also not a fan of Caceres Also Kassaris, agrees either. that
1: Kassaris is not having the best season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Calgary are, are are a bit of a mess, aren't they? And and we may get to talk about them a bit later in another category. Um, moving on, Kostu to best manager so far this season. Who've you gone with here?
2: I mean, I could have said Simone Inzaghi because obviously they are at the top of the league. But I've gone with Igor Tudor. And that's because um, I think when I came on the last time and when the season started and just when the transfer window ended, we were constantly saying that uh, once um, once the season sort of pans out, we'll probably see Verona get relegated because they pretty much overperformed quite a bit on a shoestring budget under Ivan Juric. And when Di Chesco got got sacked, um, we talked about how um they don't really have an identity. And now um they are they come across as a solid mid-table team. And for me, they should probably stay up as well. I mean, I know a lot of it is down to Giovanni Simeone scoring about 12 goals from an XG of some six or something, which is massive overperformance and probably won't happen ever again. And he it's probably a hot streak, which he might not replicate ever again in his career, but purely because of um, what Tudor has given to the club in terms of the identity, the the way they play the moments in the final third, that was pretty much missing from the side um, when the season started after Ivan Juric left. And I think he deserves quite a bit of credit for it. Um, I think he won't get new signings uh, because we know they operate on a shoestring budget, but purely for what he's done, with the, with the squad that he had, um, I think he deserves quite a bit of credit for it.
0: Yeah, that's a re- really interesting call because obviously uh, Tudor didn't start the season as, as Verona manager, but he certainly pulled things around really well. And as you say, they look fairly comfortable in mid-table at the moment. Um, Francesco, you have gone for a manager at, at the top of the league. So why have you gone with Simone Inzaghi on this occasion?
1: Uh, I think there were a lot of um, question marks about Inter over the summer. You know, they'd lost some of their most important players. They'd uh, they'd also lost Conte, who you know was a big contributing factor to their success last season. And um, Inzaghi, whilst he'd done a good job at Lazio, wasn't really uh, proven at, at the very top level. I don't think. I think a lot of um, kind of Inter fans, a lot of the the footballing community in Italy, had some doubts about whether he was ready for that kind of job even though he'd done so well at Lazio and I think he's definitely exceeded expectations. Um, I mean a lot of people are saying that this is the best that have played in recent memory in terms of the aesthetic of, the, of their football, uh, they're playing some really nice stuff but also I think he's, uh, he's exceed, statistically he's exceeded what Conte did and people are legitimately, legitimately asking if this side, you know, even having lost um, some of their best players from last season, you know, Ericsson, Hakimi, Lukaku leaving, um, people are still having the debate now whether this side is now better than it was last season, having lost all those players. So I think, uh, and I think Inzaghi is a big part of that. So, So that's why I've gone for him.
0: Yeah, certainly an an excellent first half of the season for Inzaghi and and Inter. Uh, So the final category before we move on to our 2022 predictions uh, is surprise package of the season. So, uh, Kostub, who who are you going for in this category? I've gone
2: for Empoli in this one, um, largely because of their position in the league table, which is ninth. And I think... When we did the podcast about two months ago or something, when the season was starting off once again, um, we sort of gave Empoli a chance for surviving delegation over Salonitana and Venezia. But we never expected them to be as high as ninth and being just, what, four points behind Lazio, five points behind uh, Fiorentina. And they've beaten some big clubs as well on the way. And to be fair, the performance yesterday against Milan was not exactly too bad either. Um, and I think they what what we always talk about when it comes to Empoli is the fact that they always had a good squad. We've seen a lot of their players move on to bigger clubs, especially when they were uh, in the top flight last time around. We had Benacer, Kroonijch, De Lorenzo, and Caputo. I think they have that this time around, but purely from a from an aesthetic point of view, their style of football has been much much better uh, in terms of the results as well, not just in terms of the playing style. You've got Fabiano Parisi, I think, who will probably move on to a bigger club in the summer. I think Napoli are looking after him. Samuel Ricci is there, I think. Inter looking are at, looking at him already. You've got, obviously, the legendary uh, striker duo of Patrick Cutrone and Pina Monti doing pretty well. But yeah, I think they should be the pick for me um, because largely because I didn't really expect them to be where they are and and the fact that they're doing much, much better uh, than I expect in terms of their playing style as well. And they are actually holding it together in terms of playing style because we look at squads like Spezia or the Brescia side that we had two seasons ago, they couldn't really keep that playing style going um, against the bigger sides. But we see that happening with Empoli and I think that's
0: a big surprise. Yeah, I guess the only concern for Empoli is that we saw last season with, with Benevento, you know, they had a really good first half of the season, were mid-table and then fell away horrendously. But but at the moment, there's no signs of that with, with Empoli, an outstanding first half of the season for them. Uh, how about you, Francesco? Who's your surprise package of the season?
1: I've gone for Fiorentina. Um, I think, you know uh you could you could have believed that they were going to do this well because they have got some really good players in their squad but i think italiano and uh, the team as a whole have done such a good job compared to what they were doing last season i mean it's not as if fiorentina spent a lot of money in the summer uh they brought back a couple of players that they'd loaned out like sotil and uh, saponara who've had a who've made a pretty big contribution to to what they've done this season but I just think Italianos completely changed the way they played. They play some really nice, attractive football. And uh, considering that at one point last season, it looked like they might have got relegated. They are now a legitimate contender for European qualification. And, um, you know, I think things are looking really good for Fiorentina this season, but also going forward. So I think they've got an ambitious owner. They have a really interesting manager who's who's got some smart ideas, who's, um, you know, making them play some great football. So that's why I've gone for Fiorentina.
0: Yeah, they've turned it around really well. As you say, uh, right in the mix for certainly Europa League and you know possibly even champions. Um, and, and, and that's what we're now going to move on to, actually. Moving into the second half of the season, I want to get some predictions from you guys. So, um, Kostub, I'll come to you first. Who, who do you see as being champions this season? And and who makes up the rest of the top four, do you think?
2: I think Inter in the league. I think that's pretty much nailed on for a lot of people at this point. And I think Milan finished second once again, Napoli third. I mean, third is the place which is generally nailed on for Atlanta, but I think this time around they finished fourth. And I think Juventus just just about miss out. Um, it's not like I hate the club or something, but it's probably because I think that squad, um, I know they're trying to make... Some signings in January get a striker in, get a midfielder in. They've been linked with loads of players. They'll probably sell some of them as well. But I think it's still, and I won't say it's an average squad, but I still don't think it's a top four squad. You have players who should have been moved on about two seasons ago, uh, just when Allegri left in his first stint. I mean, after his first stint, but they're still around. And just because you went to saw Allegri as that option, who could maybe just take the squad on for maybe one or season uh one season or two seasons on they kept them along and i think that squad needs squad needs a change um i think I, for me the the top four is pretty much nailed on um and i sometimes feel that maybe roma can go over um juventus in terms of um challenging for the top for the top four uh but yeah i think I'm still not too confident about Roma these days. Um, not just because of the Mourinho factor, but because they've been I, I still think Roma have been too unlucky too many times in terms of getting the chances away. But yeah, I think the top four is nailed on for me.
0: Yeah, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Francesco, and, and it did seem at that point like the top four was nailed on. However, since then we have seen, you know, Milan, Napoli and Atalanta all drop quite a few points and, and actually at the halfway stage Juventus are only four points behind Atalanta and then you have Fiorentina and Roma only six points behind so so do, do you agree that Inter will win the league and and how do you see the top four panning out?
1: Yeah so I am in agreement with Kashtu about Inter I think at the moment they're playing so well and it looks like uh, you know they're going to do it but um, I don't agree with the top four I think Juventus Whilst when you watch them play, they seem to be a bit rubbish. They they've actually had a pretty good uh, you know run um, since the twelfth game of the season. You know if the se- if the season had started eight games ago, you would actually be second. Um, I think in those last six or seven games, they've picked up um, eight points on Milan um i think even more on napoli so they've closed that gap massively and they've done all of this without dibala for a lot of those games without kirza uh you know they expect both those players to be back in the team after the at the start of the next year they they also have um they they also sorted out the defensive troubles they were having at the beginning of the season. I think they haven't in in six uh, in five of the last six games they haven't conceded. So things are looking good for you, but I, I think they are going to come back and, into the top four. And it's whether uh, to me, I think Atalanta will be okay. It's whether Napoli or Milan who have had a bit of a sticky period drop out.
0: Yeah, certainly seems to have tightened up a bit in terms of that top four race the last couple of weeks. So. Uh should be a fascinating second half of the season uh with regards to that. I want to move on to the other end of the table and uh Karstoob, I'll ask you which three sides do you think are gonna get relegated?
2: I think Salonitana are pretty much done. I mean, in a lot of different ways. We know what the different ways are. I mean they're
0: even gonna complete the season. That's one
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, they probably will not be in the division by the end of January or something. And I think I'll say Genoa will go down. I mean, it's probably long overdue now anyway, but I think I don't really rate that Genoa squad. Um, And I mean, when Shevchenko was was in the Ukrainian national team, I quite liked some of the stuff that he did in terms of the third man runs, the movement in the final third and stuff. But I don't think Genoa have good enough talent to score themselves out of relegation I think they've just scored once or maybe twice so far under Shevchenko and they've actually had less than 20 attempts on goal uh, in six in the six or seven matches that he's been 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 at the club so I think that's a pretty bad sign Um, and thirdly I think um, Venezia will go down that's again probably because of the fact that um, I still don't think they've got a great squad. I mean, to be fair, they made some decent signings um, over the summer, but I still don't think um, they're going to be in Serie A next season. Um, I think Calgary are in the, in, in, in the bottom three currently, but as Francesco said earlier on that they've got a pretty decent squad and they are underachieving. So I think... Cagliari should be able to survive once again but I think for Genoa it's long overdue that they once go down to Cerebi and sort stuff out make sure they don't stack managers after every three months or something and just learn their lessons and then come back sometime later
0: yeah, I guess one thing for Genoa is uh, they, they did look a bit better against Atalanta in midweek and got a point against them, although I thought Atalanta were particularly poor in that game. But yeah, they, they can barely score a goal at the moment, so it doesn't bode well for them. How about you, Francesco? Who who are your bottom three?
1: Yeah, I've gone for a slightly different bottom three. So I agree about Salerno. I hope they can finish the season, but it's not looking good at the moment. Um, but I, I've gone with Kayeri and Spezia. I think Spezia had a big win yesterday. But to me, it feels like um, Genoa have have got something going with Shevchenko. I think they look a lot more solid. Um, I agree that they haven't got the most talented squad, but he's built a base, it seems like. The last couple of games, they've been a lot more solid defensively. And I feel like they can improve going forwards. Um, and I've also kept Kayeri in there. I, I'm also in agreement with Kashtub that they have a, a decent squad, Kaya. They have some good players, but I just don't think Mazzari is the man to get them out of it. I think at the moment they look very poor and I guess there is a chance they'd stay up, but it feels like they probably have to get rid of Mazzari for that to happen. He'd be the that that means they'd be on their third manager's season. I, I don't know how likely that is. But um yeah, for me it's probably Sarani Dana, Cayeri and Spetta who get out. Yeah, uh... Quite a few teams down there at
0: the bottom at the moment, though. But uh, yeah, Calorie and Genoa, you know, a couple of sides who seem to have been down there for five or six years now and always just about get out of it. But surely one of them will go down this year and po- possibly even both. Um, my penultimate question that I'm going to ask, is uh, most likely to go furthest in Europe. So I'll come to you first, uh, Kostu. We've still got six of the seven Italian sides who started the season still in Europe. So who do you think is most likely to you know, possibly go all the way and, and win a trophy this season?
2: I would probably say Roma. <laughs> I mean, if we are counting the Conference League. yeah. And that's not just because of what Roma are as a team, but that's probably because Tottenham are already out of the competition and That's a big thing for someone like Roma because when the season started off and people realized that both Roma and Spurs will be in the same competition and Mourinho will probably face his former club who rudely sort of sacked him before a cup final and stuff. I think that will make stuff a lot easier. I know Roma sort of lost 6-1 to Bodo Glimt um, in the group stages and then failed to beat them in the reverse fixture as well. But... To be fair to Bodo Glimt, they are a decent side. Um, they made history in Norway about last season where um, they won the league for the first time in over 100 years or something like that. So I think they Bodo Glimt are a very well-respected side outside of the top five leagues. Um, and I think even though Spurs lost to um in their group stages, I think since um, I think Celtic are a decent side who just come down to um, the Conference League after finishing third in their Europa League group. I think the most amount of competition that um, Roma are going to get in that competition is probably around that Celtic level. So I think that's probably why Roma are going to go quite far. And we know uh, Mourinho. um, I mean, that's not a recent example by any means that Mourinho is good at cup competition and European competition, but um, Mourinho now seems to have the way he talks. He seems to have just realized the fact that maybe he needs to use the French players more often. When actually, after they lost to Juventus, the feeling was that he's not going to play them. He's just going to use his main team and um, just go on maybe criticizing this his uh, the younger players like Dabo. Diawara, Brian Reynolds and Villar. Uh, when actually he started to use them more often now. So I think he's now realising the, the fact that um, Roma have a chance of going far in Europe. Uh, so I think, yeah, Roma for me.
0: And how about you, Francesco? Do, do you see any opportunity for the teams in the Champions League or the Europa League?
1: I think with the Champions League... Um the redraw was not that kind to the Italian sides. Um, I think especially Inter, you know, we we spoke before the the draw about the the very top sides in Europe. Uh, I think that Bayern, Manchester City and Liverpool are probably the best three right now and and Inter have to play Liverpool. I mean, I think Inter have a chance, but Liverpool are probably still quite heavy favourites in that one. Um, Juve, you know, I don't know. I think Juve have got more of a chance, should probably get to the quarterfinals, but but going forwards, you know, there are some good sides in the competition, unless we see a marked improvement in Juve over the next couple of months, then I think they're going to struggle to get further than that. You never know, but it's difficult. I think the side who've got the best chance of going deeper, Atalanta. Um, you know, looking at the Europa League, I had a look at the other teams that are left in. It is quite a strong field. There are some good sides that have dropped down, like Barcelona, for example, Borussia Dortmund. But there aren't that many that I would say are favourites against Atalanta. Maybe those two. But after that, I'm already struggling to find teams who are probably would start as favourites against Atalanta. That's not to say that there aren't other teams who can beat Atalanta in the competition. But I think if, if Atalanta really get their, their stuff together and go for the competition um, you know, properly, then they have a real chance of going deep. And I think they are probably, out of the Italian clubs, the most likely to do that. Because whilst they've had their best period in history over the last two or three years uh, or or even a little bit longer they haven't actually won a trophy they haven't got anything to show for that so if they could win a European competition I think for for Atalanta historically that would be a really big feat uh, a big achievement so I think they're probably the the team most likely to go deep out of the Italian sides left in. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw,
0: but uh, Marco Tardelli had some quite interesting words about Liverpool this week, calling them arrogant and saying after their game against Spurs, some of their game, some of their players should have got 10 match bans and stuff, which I don't know if that would quite rule them out of the inter-game, which is in February. But uh, yeah, quite, quite, uh, quite humorous anyway. Um, but I want to end actually moving away from Serie A, and I'm going to move on to the national team, because in March, Italy have... Their World Cup playoff, and we're going to see if they're going to be in 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 Qatar in November and December next year. So, Carlo I'll come to you first. Do you think Italy are going to make next year's World Cup?
2: I would say they will make it, but this is purely from from a presumption of the fact that Chiellini is wet and the fact that Joao Pedro has registered for the registered to play for the national team by that is going on there as well that they're trying to uh get him to play for Italy. I think the problem for Italy um in the World Cup qualifiers that the, the group was that the two uh missed penalties from Jorginho which is a flip of a coin. I mean, obviously Jorginho is pretty good at taking penalties or maybe he used to be, but if Jorginho had scored those penalties, Italy would never have been in this position. And I think the striker problems is still pretty much there. Um, and I think Chiellini was a big miss for them. Um, and Italian football as a whole hasn't really replaced Chiellini yet, although we see Bastoni being that sort of player who is that left-sided uh, centre-back who is a ball player of sorts. Uh, not just a ball player, he's pretty much a number 10 for Inter these days anyway, but. Um, Chiellini's presence was missed quite a bit in the group stages. Um, The penalties and the striker issue. So I'm just presuming um, that Chiellini is sweat. Joao Pedro plays. And I think Immobile is not as bad as people make him out to be either. It's just that he's much better off um, starting up front um, with runners around him instead of people... Instead of players who pass the ball into him. So I think, and Italy have got Portugal um, to compete with for the spot. And I think Portugal have problems that start from the manager to the squad. Um, and I don't think the squad that Portugal have is meant for Fernando Santos. And that's a very fundamental problem. Um, but I think Italy should be able to make it. I mean it won't be easy but yeah I think Italy should be able to do it.
0: Yeah of course if Italy get through their their semi final it looks like they'll probably have to play Portugal in Portugal in in the final in the playoff final to make the World Cup finals. Um how do you see things Francesco do you, do you think Italy
1: will make the World Cup? I mean I'm worried Sam. I'm worried. Um I think it's it's a difficult draw. I think Italy would have taken any other combination of sides to avoid Portugal um, because Portugal have so many good players that it, it feels like a 50, 50 game. It feels like if, if those players turn up on the day, then they can really probably beat any side in the world. Um, and that's what makes it difficult. Um but you would expect Italy to get through North Macedonia. And then, yes, you have to go to Portugal. And and Italy can beat Portugal. I don't think it's out of the question. But it, considering where they were before they played Bulgaria in the group stage, where they basically qualified, they just had to go through the motions and they just weren't able to do that. It it feels like, yeah, it's it, it feels terrible that they find themselves in this situation. And to miss the World Cup, Twice in a row, after not having missed it for seventy odd years, would be, yeah, would be really horrible. On on the centre forward, I, you know, I just like to say I'm I'm not mad about this whole John um Pedro thing. I think he's uh, he's obviously a very good player. I think he does have some affection for Italy, but I do still feel like if it really came to it and he had a choice, he probably would play for Brazil. And I also think that there are some other options emerging in the Italian league that would be worth a go. Firstly, Morbillet, if you're comparing the two players, is much better than, than Gio Pato, but, but also players like Scamacca, who I think brings something different, um, you know, uh, even Destro, who's had a really good start to the season before getting injured, I think those kinds of players, if you're looking for an alternative to Morbillet, they, they'd certainly be worth, um, you know, a try. So. We'll see what happens, but I think Italy have a have a good chance. But um, you know, I also think Portugal do as well. So it's, it's probably going to be who turns up and plays better on on the day. It, it, you know, provided they get that far. I, I think Portugal have a tougher semi final, and you know, Macedonia also have some interesting players. If you think about Almas, who plays in Italy, that the season he's having is it's not going to it's not a foregone conclusion that they get through that. They, they're going to still have to turn up and play there. So we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I guess with it being away against Portugal, potentially, um, maybe that puts more pressure on Portugal in front of their home fans. And if Italy get off to a good start, you know, maybe the crowd will start turning against them. I don't think they're mad keen on still having Fernando Fernando Santos in charge, um, given what's been going on the last sort of year or so for Portugal. But yeah, going to be interesting to see those those qualifiers in in March uh, ahead of the tournament and the back end of next year but thanks a lot for joining me guys it's been a really fun episode going through our our rankings uh, and we'll see how the second half of the season pans out Uh, thanks everyone for listening have a great Christmas and we'll catch you again soon, ciao